It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. And here we go. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Brian McCormick here, you there, Mike McKenna to my right, and Jared Justice on the other side of the glass as we make your lunch hour fun and get you ready for Game 5 of the Vegas Golden Knights and Minnesota Wild. Mike, how we doing, pal? Man, just so good. How about yourself? We've recovered from yesterday's big HSK game that we worked, and they're moving on, so life's good there. And now a chance for the VGK to do the same tonight. Is there anything better in the Las Vegas Valley right now? And, and you and I get to be like six feet apart as opposed to usually we're on different floors of the what same building. This is uh, To see your face. It's, well, we'll see if that helps. You're much better but. looking in person. <laughs> My fiancé disagrees. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, you know what? I'm not just saying that either because she went to the game yesterday, the HSK game. It was her first ever game that she got to go to in person as, of course, we've had fans over the last uh, month and a half now, which has been a, a tremendous addition on both VGK and HSK sides. Uh, and she says, oh, where's Brian? I can't find him. And she sees a guy in a suit. And she waves. She was waving at you for at two me. hours. It's because we're brothers in the beard. It's, it must be. It and, and she's blind. So now I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. <laughs> well, you had the Johnny Cash suit going yesterday. You were in total. Did she not look at you before you left the house? That's what I said. We I was were like, completely contrasting suits. I and was in a very light brown. When I told her. Easter egg. I told her, you're waving at the wrong guy. I guess you waved back. That's just because you're friendly and you're, you're waving at 11,000 people all day. Yeah, it's, you wave at me, you're getting a wave back. Just constant. You keep your screaming fans off the stage. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we have to do at HSK games. We do. We need a cattle prod of but, <laughs> but she's waving at you. And they said, like, you know what? I should have known. He was way too well-dressed. <laughs> but Oh, well, we, we're getting we're getting you going with the well-dressed. Now that you're on TV, I mean, we've taught you the finer points of makeup. That's true. Makeup, uh, beard maintenance. Taking the shine off. It's it's just it's very important. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm your, <laughs> your faithful uh, protege trying to learn things from Mike McKenna. But we've got uh, plenty of VGK stuff to t uh, cover as the uh, Golden Knights have a chance to close out the series against Minnesota tonight. We will talk Silver Knights as they uh, will move on to the Pacific Division Final. And they await the winner of tonight's Game 3 between the Condors and the Gulls. So we have eyes on that. We'll hear from head coach Manny Viveros on the HS Kai, Pete DeBoer on the VGK side. Lots of audio to get to uh, and talk about the playoff picture as a whole. Uh, and, and as we, we get going, Mike, for the Vegas Golden Knights, they have a stranglehold on this series right now. They head back to the Fortress for Game 5 and have to feel very, very good about themselves, particularly the way they handled Games 3 and 4 in Minnesota. Yeah, especially, you know, talking to Mark Stone this morning amongst our broadcast group you really thought that about the 40 minutes of game three that the team played after they woke up the first period was an absolute disaster in game three for the team Riley Smith called it the worst they'd played all season uh, and then things changed and that second and third periods of game three was really where Mark Stone felt like the team found their game the best and yeah there were moments in game four that weren't perfect but really when you look at the overall effort it seemed like the Golden Knights were able to dictate a lot of the play in that game. And, of course, they got the intangibles necessary. They had a, a huge game from Marc-Andre Fleury once again, uh, picked up goals shorthanded from Mark Stone. So lots of things happening for the VGK going in the right direction, and they seem to have found the antidote for Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah. You know, who's a player looking at probably be winning rookie of the year in the league, almost a certain right now. He's changed the entire out, outlook and and – kind of identity of the Minnesota Wild so far this season, and he's been silent in the playoff series. The Golden Knights have done a fantastic job controlling him. Kevin Fiala, their top players. Best players for the Golden Knights, 
have been better than the best players for the yeah, Minnesota Wild. Absolutely, and, and especially, I think, in a game like this. Now, at game sevens, every now and then, it's going to be gridlock and locked down, and sometimes it's your fourth liner who comes up with the big goal and is the difference maker. That's a pretty normal storyline. When you have a 3-1 lead in a series, this is the kind of game where you expect your best players to be the ones who can kind of put their foot down and, and wrap things up. Yeah, you just expect them to be good consistently throughout playoffs, right? Like, you, you need them in the whole time to be able to perform, and what's really been encouraging for the Golden Knights has been the depth scoring. Last game, Nick Waugh has two goals, Kolasar two assists, Matthias Janmark has an assist. So the third line really came up big for the Golden Knights in addition to the top lines. And you look at the further you go into playoffs, you're playing against top teams that have a ton of talent. They're deep. Third lines, fourth lines, what they bring to teams, those can really be the X factor. They can propel you forward. You look at special teams and your depth is really where championships are built. Well, Pete DeWar spoke with the uh, media earlier today after uh, Golden Knights practice and uh, spoke a little bit about how this team is returning home and they're in good shape, but this is going to be a tough game nonetheless. It's, uh, in his words, not going to be easy. Let's hear what Pete DeBoer had to say. Obviously, uh, that's an advantage for us, for sure. And, and there's no doubt we would love nothing more than to, to close them out at home in front of our home crowd. Um, but um, the elimination game is always the toughest and, and you're playing a, a really good hockey team. I mean, the margins in, in every game so far have been razor thin. Uh, it's not going to be easy. They're going to be desperate. And, uh, you know, we, we will be ready to play and, and put our best foot forward. Um, but we can't take that for granted because we're at home and we've got a great crowd that, that's supporting us here that it's just going to happen. Uh, you know, it's, uh, this team's not going to be an easy out. So Brian, when you, when you think about what Pete DeBoer says here, a lot of it is just the, the factor of making sure you stay motivated and staying on top yeah. of things and being diligent within your systems, because I've been in this position before I've been in series that you're up three to one. Uh, and conversely, I've been in series that you're down three to one before. And I've been on the, I've been on the winning side of both of those. And closing the team out is always the hardest thing to do. Mm. It truly is. And you, you want to trust all of your, all your little things, your intangibles, your systems. But you do need a little bit of self-motivation in these games. you got three bullets left in the chamber, but you really want to get it done now if you're the Golden Knights. Because one, you want to get it out of the way. Two, you don't want to give any life to Minnesota because the yeah. more things start to roll, we don't have to remind Vegas Golden Knights fans about being up 3-1 to one in a series. That's enough right there. We'll leave it at that because we don't need the hate tweets. We know what has happened previously. And so you just don't want to give any opportunities for teams to get momentum. And, and you know, lots, lots of times you're looking at the first 10 minutes of a period. How do you come out? How do you control the game? And especially coming into T-Mobile where we're expecting quite a, quite a crowd tonight. I mean, I've somewhere upwards of, you know, 10, 11,000 maybe. I'm not sure what we're going to be at. It's going to be rocking. It's going to be loud. It's going to feel like <laughs> 18,000 again. It already felt like that with 8,000. So uh, definitely critical for the Golden Knights to come out strong and get the crowd on their side and try to carry it throughout Game 5. And you know what I think is, is significant? We have, a, we have a demonstration in this series, Mike, of what momentum swings can do and what opening the door a crack can do in the micro and the macro. In this sense, a 3-1 series lead, you said you don't want to give Minnesota any reason to feel good about themselves and, and to fan the, the flames and to instill any kind of doubt on the VGK side. But on the micro, we've seen from the VGK side twice in this series we've seen goal reviews go the Golden Knights way and it's completely transformed the momentum of the given game and twice the Golden Knights have taken that and run with it and you could see the deflation in Minnesota when those instances happen that's impacted two games for sure well it shows mental toughness first off but it also shows that hey like they were wake-up calls to the team you know game three 
you get a call go against Minnesota. It's an offsides call. They make the they, the Golden Knights challenge, and they're correct on it. Well, if that goal had counted, it's 3 nothing in the first period. You're wondering, does Marc-Andre Fleury finish this game, Yeah. right? He comes back, plays outstanding in the second and third, but it was almost like having that challenge and winning that was what needed to happen for the team because they panned to Mar- they panned to Pete DeBoer, and you can hear him, go- you can see him physically say, "Let's Blanken yeah. <laughs> go!" Right, and it's like everybody on the team looks at their buddy next to him on the bench. You know, I've been it. Like you just come on, let's go, and you're you're hitting each other on the bench, right? And it just it's like this visceral jolt that wakes everybody up, and it did. It was like, bang, yep. okay, we're back in this game. It's two nothing, and you come out, you get a goal, and then the light switch flips. And then in game four, same thing. You know, Mark Stone scoring that shorthanded goal was the ultimate exclamation point. Yeah. And uh, the, to see not just his reaction, but how the team responded to it, you can just sense uh, how that works. That was another moment. But having that goal called back in the first where Puck's in, it's, it's a screen goal. Felino's in the crease. He, Marc-Andre Fleury's trying to establish his presence. It comes down to goalie coach Mike Rosati and video coach uh, of the Golden Knights making that Dave call. Dave Rogalski? Yeah, Dave yeah. Rogalski. They make that call uh, to challenge, and it turns out to be the right call. I thought immediately it should have been called back. Yeah. I, I agreed with them 100%. But, but you just never know on a goalie interference. We've yeah. all seen them go any direction. And, of course, the, the penalty for being wrong is a penalty for delay of game. So you yes. you got to have trust and conviction to make that call. Conviction being the key word. And, and, again, sometimes when you need that momentum swing, sometimes it's a goalie change, sometimes it's a timeout, mm-hmm. sometimes if the opportunity presents itself, it's a review, and the Golden Knights have managed that very well. Especially in Game 3, after that review went their way, Marc-Andre Fleury has been phenomenal this entire series, was perfect the rest of the way in yep. that game. He's had a tremendous series. And earlier today, Pete DeBoer talked a little bit about the goaltending in this series as well. I think anytime you're up 3-1 in a series, um, you know, it's, it's a team effort. And obviously our, our goaltenders have been our backbone all year. And, uh, you know, we, we've counted on them giving us solid efforts every night and that's continued through the playoffs he's been excellent um but you, you don't build up a 3-1 lead in a in a series with without contributions from all areas and uh you know it's been different people and different uh areas every night that have that have helped us put us in this position and um you know but obviously that, that area in net uh, has been key for us all year and Marc-Andre Fleury has been phenomenal, but as Pete DeBoer says, it's a team effort, and you already referenced it, Mike. Kirill Kaprizov has been absolutely bottled up in this series. Not something that's easy to do, but at the same time, you think if Dean Evanson, head coach of the Wild, has any uh, challenge for tonight, it's to find a way to open him up because you're going to need him to come out at some point if, if Minnesota's going to try to climb back. Well, I think the Golden Knights have done such a good job of, one, matching lines against him and being able to play on top of Kaprizov, especially in the neutral zone. They haven't allowed him to get any speed coming in. and yeah. you know He's a type of player that can make his own chances in the offensive zone. But the pressure of the Golden Knights, especially high in the zone, has been so good on him. And, you know, it's when you play at home, you get line matching. You can put out whoever you want. That's an advantage for Pete DeBoer tonight. Um, you know, in Minnesota, Dean Evison had that. But, again, that's where depth comes in. And yeah. that's where, you know, the Golden Knights had the comfortability to roll out Nick Waugh, Kolazar, Matias Janmark, knowing that they have the speed to play against Kaprizov, the hockey smarts to play hard against him. Uh, they haven't allowed him to generate a lot of shots. He hasn't had great op- great A opportunities with the exception of uh, one fantastic chance that he had, I believe in game two or three, but Marc-Andre Fleury went left to right, amazing blocker save yep. on it. And sometimes that's deflating to a player. And you can see this now, not just with Kaprizov, but Kevin Fiala, who's been a big-time scorer for the Minnesota Wild. 
Mark Andre Fleury's had his number for sure. It feels like Joel Eriksson-Eck has been for Minnesota side the only guy who's actually been able to get around the net with any kind of room Correct. to maneuver. And that's largely because one, Eriksson-Eck's a very good five-on-five player. He's been a crusher at that yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason. I don't think he has a power play goal all year, um, but really good five-on-five player. But he's insulated by two heavy bodies on his line. Marcus Foligno, Jordan Greenway create a lot of space for Eriksson-Eck. That's been the one line that does have an answer to me to the Golden Knights. They're very heavy, and that's where. For the VGK, Will Carrier, Patrick Brown, Ryan Reeves, watching them out heavy, a heavy line, that's big time important for the Golden Knights. They've done a good job of it so far. Well, Vegas Golden Knight fans, it's playoff time, and I'm sure everyone has playoff fever like Mike and I do. Stop by and visit City National Arena, located in downtown Summerlin. Bring the family to learn to skate like the pros at the official practice facility of your Vegas Golden Knights. For hours and programming, visit citynationalarena.com. That's citynationalarena.com. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk some HSK, how they have moved on to the Pacific Division final. Manny Viveros have some sound from him, so we'll hear from him. And we'll talk more, of course, VGK Minnesota Wild and how the speed element for the Vegas Golden Knights has really taken over this series. That's straight ahead on Nighttime at Noon. Back in just a moment on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Back on nighttime at noon, he's Mike McKenna, I'm Brian McCormick, as well the entire VGK organization gets ready for game five, so they let me hop into the saddle and uh, fill in for some of the others who are pre- prepping for tonight. Mike, you've had so much double duty this year with HSK <laughs> and VGK, they know you have the legs to pull the double shift. So. Yeah, I, just, I mean, they know uh, the. I have a direct shipment of Red Bull, it comes every two weeks. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, you know, the dog food that we get from Chewy, it's the same way for Red Bull for me, and uh, lots of water, uh, stay hydrated, and... I don't know. It's fun. You kind of get delirious when you start doing a lot of work like this. When we came back from break there, we just had that Sum 41 song. And you can't see this because it's radio, but Brian's playing drums. I'm playing guitar, air <laughs> guitar. And so, yeah, we, we, we just kind of get used to the grind, don't we? A little slap happy, but also just a flashback to my first year at Bantams, I think. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's a great time of year, so you can't get enough hockey. And that includes on the AHL side as well, the Henderson Silver Knights with a two-game sweep of the San Jose Barracuda to win their first ever playoff series. Uh, a big win yesterday that was led by Danny O'Regan and Gage Quinney. And uh, for the Silver Knights, Mike playing really, really good structural hockey. They, they say they want to play a very similar model to what the VGK plays, and you look at the two playoff series side-by-side, side, you see similarities, especially how they manage the transition game. You do. A transition was so good for the Henderson Silver Knights last night, and like defensive hockey is your bread and butter in playoffs. You have to score goals, but if you can't defend, you're not going to win. You will not go far, and it is a different scenario, right, in the American League this year. It's a playoff format where it's best of three, and it's a play-in round, but they're still meaningful games, yeah. and there's people watching. You know, there's no other American League games being played right now, so the players in the Silver Knights are really under the microscope in a good way. This is the pressure that you love as a player, and I mean, you you mentioned Daniel Regan. Let's talk Daniel Regan for a second. Just I mean, another planet for him right now. <laughs> eight game point streak, sixteen points in eight games, eight goals. Like he's filling the net. Finished second in American League scoring, and you look at this type of player. You know, he's born in 1994. So he's a little bit older. He's 27. But this is a guy who can play in the NHL. Yeah. 100%. Right? And you look at this opportunity. Where does it grow your game? Look at Patrick Brown and Nick Waugh on the Vegas Golden Knights. Where did they really get their break? Mm -hmm. From an outstanding Calder Cup run in the American Hockey League where everyone took notice. And so... 
it's critical for these players. It's critical to play the right way, to be able to play defensive like head coach Manny Viveros wants. And it's made things a little bit easier on goaltender Logan Thompson, yeah. who he had a massive first period last night. Yes, like, Bri- like <laughs> Brian, big time first period for, for LT36. But then as the game progressed, the team clamped down. He got to settle it in, just let things flow, and you grab another victory. It's impressive to see the way this entire organization is playing from top to bottom, VGK and HSK. And you mentioned Danny O'Regan, too. I think what what jumped out to to me is that he was having a great point-per-game-ish season all the way through, and he was mostly doing it by feeding Dylan Secura. When Dylan Secura got Mm -hmm. called up to Vegas, Danny O'Regan, I don't know if he consciously said it to himself, but there was almost an implication of like, all right, well, i got to score some goals now, and he went off and scored 13 in 13 games. The fact that when you see a player decide to go to another level, significant that they they can flick a switch like that it is and it just shows that he's he's diversified in his attack mm-hmm. he scored on the rush scores on the power play scores on extended extended in zone time you know some players are very one-dimensional and that's why they end up stuck in the american hockey league yeah. right they can only do it on the power play they're a great half wall player in the american league on the power play i mean i saw that with a lot of teammates and friends um that just couldn't make that jump to the nhl and do it but o'regan does things in so many different ways and responsibly plays penalty kill uh, really good reads with his stick. Like I see a lot of upside to his game. Reason why he was AHL Rookie of the Year in 2017. I mean, he does have some pedigree um, playing college hockey, World Juniors, those types of things. Um, great stuff from him. And you know, on the it's 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 funny with the American Hockey League, Brian. How you know you find little nuggets here and there throughout the season. And you know, people that have been listening to our games may not know really all that you do, right? <laughs> you know, you have. You, have, you wear so many hats for the HSK, right? It's not just the play-by-play guy, right? Like, you're doing things behind the scenes. You're running notes. Take us through a normal day for you, a normal game oh, day. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, so a normal game day would be show up in the morning, uh, print out game notes, compile game notes, you know, get uh, which is actually fun because uh, while it's a lot of bullet points and uh, so many points and so many games and, you know, player notes and things like that, that's my practice, right? I know what to talk about on the broadcast because I filled right. out my index cards in the morning. It's your homework. You print those, you run them around, a little bit of, uh, of a customer service element. Uh, coaches, obviously, every now and then they need information or they need things tended to, so there's some of that. There's, uh, you know, the uh, the ambassador for the broadcast to make sure they have everything they need. A lot of customer service, and then I put the headset on, I get to talk to you, so that's the part I look forward to. And then, you know, yeah. speaking to other people, right? You have to speak to people around the league. You have to speak to other yeah. broadcasters at times to prepare for things. And, I mean, I remember being in Peoria one year, and Brendan Burke, who now calls games on NBCSN yeah. and calls games with NBC and the Long Island team, he was kind of like an assistant general manager for us. You yeah. know, it was day-to-day operations at times where you've got a lot on your plate. Oh, clearly Brendan Burke's very good at it because he, he <laughs> continued to escalate. But but it is, it is one of those uh, jobs where it's a little bit everything, but it's fun because it keeps you involved in everything. Yep, well, it's part of the grind, you yeah. know. And I mean, we talked about how it's these are meaningful games still, right? And, oh, sure. and you talk about, like, the... The VGK, the HSK, the way that they're playing together and the importance of winning hockey games. Yeah. And we've got a great clip here that we'll play that cut now of Manny Viveros uh, after last game sounding, telling us exactly how important it is to be winning at this point. Well, I think it, Vince, is so important for these players. Uh, you know, they're being watched. Uh, again, we're, we're right in the backyard here of uh, VGK, and, you know, everybody's watching us play all the time. And uh, you obviously, uh, you look at what, 
success they've had this year and what they're doing in the playoffs, um, you know, our kids want to be part of that. And uh, you're right, uh, winning, uh, winning breeds winning. And I think if uh, these guys, uh, you know, they want to continue to keep improving and developing, and the best way to develop is being in those situations to succeed. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, you know, that's something that these kids have really taken a lot of pride. Uh, they see what the hard work and what it takes for those NHL players to be there and be successful in the National Hockey League, not just being in the National Hockey League, but to be a top team in the National Hockey League. And our kids want to be uh, a top team in the American Hockey League, which they have proven so far this year. But uh, every experience, uh, whether it's a positive or negative uh, through their development, is something that they can take in, uh, with them uh, in the future in their career. That was Silver Knights head coach Manny Viveros, and uh, the one phrase that really jumps out there, Mike, winning breeds winning. If you want a T-shirt or a bumper sticker, there's your quote. But one of the main reasons to bring the Silver Knights, to bring the AHL organization to Henderson, have it right under the nose of the VGK, was cultural. It was to breed a winning culture and that kind of, of line that connects the two, and it's working. I love the fact that the American League team's in the same city. Even though, I mean, it's Henderson, Vegas, but let's call the Vegas Valley, right? I love that, but I love that there's a degree of separation. I mm. think that's critical. There's just enough of a degree to put that carrot at the end of the stick for the players. And there's enough of a degree of constant contact. And that's important. You know, when the team's in Chicago, you don't have that. You don't constantly have scouts in the building, general managers. You don't get that line of communication like you do now. Uh, be, the availability to just be called up and practice with the big club for a day. That happens throughout the season. It's happened with Taxi Squad. It creates synergies. Yeah. And I think that the winning aspect of the American Hockey League is underestimated in some cities. I've seen development where teams think, okay, well, we're just here to develop players. I think that winning is impo is critically important to do that. There's a reason why teams want winners. You know how to do it. Right. Like, and, and we're talking about game five tonight, how the put-away game is so hard to win. That alone implies winning has to be learned. It doesn't just happen. Exactly. I mean, Chandler Stevenson. Here's somebody who at the American Hockey League level played, at the Hers played for the Hershey Bears under George McPhee when he was the general manager of the Washington Capitals, and they were always good. Yep. They always went deep in the Calder Cup playoffs. They always put their best product on the ice. And guess what? It breeds success. Yeah. Washington wins a Stanley Cup. Stevenson's part of that. Now he brings that experience to the Golden Knights. And when you have players playing in meaningful games, better they're winning, they have a good feeling about themselves. They feel confident. It's so hard to feel confident if you're losing every game. Right. Even if you're filling the net, even if you're making every save, you're still losing. And losing is not fun. Mike, you were part of a Texas Stars team that went on a Calder Cup run. You look at the Dallas Stars team that made it to the Cup final, fingerprints are all over it. All it's, over The it. connection is there. And, and Dallas is a great archetype for development, but for winning within that development. And frankly, you've got to spend money to do it. You've got to be able to have American League veterans to insulate your NHL players. You know, that team in Texas, uh, Rope Hintz, Dennis Garyanov, you know, Justin Dowling, Gavin Bayrou, they're like there's a lot of players from that team that went on, have gone on to NHL careers and been very good. And it bred everything that we needed to do. And you see it throughout the Vegas Golden Knights lineup. There are players on that team throughout that were very good at the American Hockey League level and learned how to ply their craft in a winning fashion before making that jump to the NHL. And guys like Nicholas Waugh, like Keegan Colazar, who have made that jump over the last year yep. and a half. Critical. Perfect examples. Now, uh, again, we talk about the, the cultural connection. Well, the, uh, the the confidence looks high for the Vegas Golden Knights after their wins in Minnesota this past week. Uh, the, the Mark Stone goal, the shorthanded goal that looked like it was the 
the dagger in game four. Uh, you could see by his reaction afterwards that that battle cry <laughs> from Mark Stone. He was fired up, and Pete DeBoer talked a little bit on that earlier today as well. Yeah, he's awesome. You know, and and, and what you don't see is uh, uh, four nothing game. You know, less than a minute uh, left in the game the other night, and Yanmark blocks a shot. Uh, to basically preserve the shutout, Stones on the bench and and you know jumps up with his hands in the air like we scored an overtime winner. So, you know he he's he's feeding that emotion into our group every day in in all kinds of different situations and and not just when he scores. That, that's happening all the time. That's why he's our captain and uh, you know that that emotion he brings to our group is is critical. I tell you what, I've seen this firsthand when we were teammates in Ottawa. And I, I mean, I won one game. I was on the I was on the ice for winning two games. I didn't get credit yeah. in one of those. <laughs> and I want to tell you that Mark Stone nearly took my rotator cuff to the next century with that high five after the games. And the things that Mark's that Pete DeBoer talks about on the bench that you don't see these things as fans, right? You see what's happening on the ice. They're all 100 percent true. Listen, yeah. I backed up a lot of games. And I got to see it firsthand, just how his excitement resonates throughout the team. It pulls everybody along. It pulls everyone into it. There's too many robots in hockey, Brian. <laughs> and Mark Stone is not a robot. He is expressive Mark Stone, but it's all heartfelt. It's all 100% from the love of the game and the desire to win hockey. And you can see that the TV cameras, I mean, the fans can see it, but for players, that kind of enthusiasm, it's impactful. Riley Smith was giggling on the bench <laughs> after it. They panned to him, and it was almost like they had to get the camera off of him because he was just visibly laughing at how, I mean, Stone has got the jazz hands. Like I don't know what to do with my hands. Like just so excited. Uh, but it, man, it, I'm telling you, it just goes completely through your bench. It's it's infectious. And that's just another challenge for the Minnesota Wild tonight. Keep Mark Stone from getting excited at any point whatsoever. <laughs> well, Rock Creek Cattle Company is a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This 28,000-acre cattle ranch has something for everyone: a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. Visit RockCreekCattleCompany.com. That's RockCreekCattleCompany.com for more information. We'll hop out when we come back. More on the VGK. Alex Tuck, how his speed is making an impact on this series. We'll also look at the playoffs at large. Mike McKenna, Brian McCormick here with you on Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Back on Nighttime at Noon, Brian McCormick, Mike McKenna here with you. Henderson Silver Knights moving on to the second and final round of the Pacific Division playoffs, and the Vegas Golden Knights look to move on to the second round themselves tonight in Game 5 against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Mike, I had the pleasure. I got to go to the viewing party or the, the watch party for Game 4 that was at the new Water District or Water Street Plaza next to Lifeguard Arena. My first experience at a VGK watch party. That was so much fun. I don't know if you've gotten to go to them because if you, like I can go and keep a low pro profile and be left alone. <laughs> you, we got to get the Secret Service involved and velvet I, ropes. I'm, the helicopter has to land somewhere. So I don't know if you've gotten to. I, pre I on, a, on a micro level, I am I am famous, I guess. <laughs> how well, conceited does that sound? Every now and then, no, I'm, but it, it is. It's funny how it's really amazing though. Like to kind of walk around. I could be walking around downtown Summerlin and like. People just be like, "Go Knights!" and I'm like, "Yeah, you know, like I'll give it the big fist pump." But it's, it's every, so every cool. now and then, every now and then, I look at my Twitter feed and I've got more than 50 notifications. I'm like, "Oh God, someone tagged me and Mike and something <laughs> together." So what? So, <laughs> so tell me what was going down at the watch party. Did you see anything you didn't expect? Was it tailgating? 
I didn't see tailgating. I mean, well, the entire setup is it's a big lawn, really. It was a with picnic a environment? Screen. There was a picnic environment. It was, you know what was great was just it's, it felt so normal. Yeah. After the year we've had, it just felt so normal. And it was all, you know, uh, you know, lawn chairs and whatnot. There were food trucks, which was great. Oh, there nice. was a picnic environment, like you said. They yeah. had co- cornhole in the back lawn. So, yeah, it was, it was a party. You went there to spend the day. Families having fun together. Absolutely. Fantastic. With, at the same time, the, the screen they have on the wall. Now, they wouldn't do that without doing it right, of course, but it's great that I'm 100 yards away at some points uh, on the barbecue line and and the picture is <laughs> crystal clear. They had the, uh, the dance team out. They had cannons. It was, it was just... It was a great, great experience, and I haven't had a chance yet again because of the unique season we've had to, to get to immerse myself too much in the VGK fan experience. That was everything I wanted it to be, and I can't wait for more of those. It'd be so much fun for me to be able to do those. And I will say, unfortunately, like a lot of times when a game, the team's on the road, uh, I'm well, first we're calling those games generally, you know, so we've got a job to do on, on set uh, between Darren and myself. But uh, for the games that are on national TV where you have those opportunities, like I generally like to really watch the game and take notes and pay attention. Yeah. Um, and I know in that setting, however, how I am, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to help myself. Too I'd, be, I'd be working the crowd, right? I just, be, I'd be hamming it up. And then next thing you know, three goals go in and I'm my head spinning, trying to figure out why. And, uh, it's just so cool to see that engagement throughout the city. And that's one of the first things you notice when you move to Vegas, when you come out here, is that you see all the VGK bumper stickers and, and just everything on the cars. Everywhere you walk, somebody's got a VGK hat on. And, like, even Brian going you just you know, going to the grocery store and seeing people that have VGK gear on kind of give each other the head nod, you know? It's, yep. it's such a special environment It's, out it's here. a communal it's, aspect, and you're right, yeah. it's all over town, and especially at this time of year. And, you know, during that game, we've talked about the Mark Stone goal. That felt like the, mm-hmm. the, the dagger. But the moment during the watch party where you really felt the crowd, is kind of fun, that, that uh, slow growing roar of something's coming was when Alex Tuck picked the puck up in the neutral zone with a full head of steam and you knew that there wasn't going to be much that Matt Dumba could do about it. Alex Tuck scored the goal that got the VGK in front and well Pete DeBoer talked a little bit earlier today about Alex Tuck's impact on this series. Not not just in the series in my entire time here um, you know the ability to have him when we're healthy on the third line that mismatch that's created there with his speed and skill um, you know, the ability of a, of a third line guy to jump in on the first line when somebody's out like, like he's doing in this series and not miss a beat. And, and uh, you know, that, that, that's what depth allows you to have. And, uh, you know, he's a key part of that for us. Alex Tuck, you know, I try to think when I watch him, Mike, there's so few players in the National Hockey League who have what he has which is the combination of size and just ridiculous downhill speed. I, th- I, I try to think, you know, maybe you put like a, a Chris Kreider conversation maybe, but, but the speed. Not that size. Not that size. And, yeah. again, the speed that almost sneaks up on you because if you look at that goal, Matt Dumba has a good gap, but once he pivots, the feet aren't going to get going fast enough for him to do anything about it, and that's really hard to defend against. I don't know what the answer is for that. It doesn't sneak up. It just goes by you. Yeah. <laughs> like when Tuck revs up that big V8, man, like he's a big Clydesdale going 200 miles an hour, it feels like, right? Like, yeah. And it's and you see the routes that he takes now throughout the neutral zone. He'll come back into the D zone and, and get the crossovers going, and he gets that puck in stride, and he's just gone. Yeah. And, and it's not just such powerful stride. Like you said, it's his size, but it's his ability to protect the puck. You know, not everybody can do that. And he's able to, like, his, his stick positioning, his puck control. And there's a finishing ability on oh, top of that, which baby. also you, you don't 
teach. You got to just have it. And he can rip it, right? Like, And he's going so fast that by the time he releases the puck and pushes the goaltender off angle. And it's something that his teammates are now picking up on on short side goals that they've done on Cam Talbot. Will Carlson the same way. Alex Tuck the same way. Nick Waugh the same way. Well, it's for a reason. When you attack with speed, that can play. And Alex Tuck, I mean, he, I, only comparable I can see at times is maybe Jack Eichel, another mm. size type of player. And ironically, I, I believe if I have my facts straight on this, they have worked with the same skating instructor previously. And uh, it was a complete deconstruction of Tuck's stride to rebuild it back. And what's so deceptive about it is that it doesn't look like he's really working that hard. Yeah, It looks effortless. But he's just so powerful, and when he revs that thing up, man, get out of the way. And that kind of, again, feeds into the, the conversation we're having of Kirill Kaprizov, who can't find room to maneuver, and Alex Tuck, one of several, who's executing in the transition game like that. The Golden Knights are winning the neutral zone, and mm-hmm. they are not being challenged at the blue line entry the way the Minnesota Wild are. That's hard yardage to gain. And again, Alex Tuck, it's almost like like Derrick Henry running the ball violently up the middle. That's something the Minnesota Wilds have not done the job slowing the Golden Knights down the neutral zone that has been done on the other side of the coin. That's been a difference. They have yeah, and now listen, Minnesota's done it at times. Like the, the especially, you know, first game, like Minnesota yeah. pushed and they've had moments where they've They've been able to control play. They are a team that's tight in the neutral zone, but the Golden Knights have, especially in Game 4, managed to find a way to penetrate, to get through, to chip pucks to speed. Nick Waugh's goal is a great example. Waugh gets a play in the D zone, creates a turnover, and he just kicks it out to Keegan Colasar on the wall, but Waugh keeps skating. And Colasar draws a player in, just a little chip up and over the stick to hit Waugh in stride. That's where the Golden Knights have tried to kind of hone things in is more little plays, chip plays, soft plays to areas to let players stride into it, not as much east-west. Mm. And that's where Minnesota has run into trouble. They're, they need to be more of a north-south team. They've tried to play two east-west because the Golden Knights have been able to suffocate them, to play above them in the neutral zone, to stack things up at the blue line. And Minnesota's a team that's done things from the slot area. They get pucks down low. They get to the front of the net. Well, the VGK has not allowed them to get down low as much as they would like. The only line that really has been consistent throughout the four games has been that Felino Eck, and... Uh, and Marcus, uh, I'm losing it here, but the uh, <laughs> Felino, Eck, and Greenway, Greenway. Um, have been able to get down low. That's been their big driver so far. Now, of course, there's uh, plenty of playoff hockey going on right now. I'll tell you, Mike, I love the first round because it's every series has drama. It's almost like having, uh, you know, what, eight Netflix binge shows on simultaneously. <laughs> uh, and you get sad when each series ends because with each advancement, we have less hockey on TV as opposed to having four games on simultaneously from yeah. dinner to bedtime. Uh, but last night, two series did wrap up. The Boston Bruins are moving on past the Washington Capitals. Uh, Alex Ovechkin is now a free agent, which is an interesting storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's for uh, for the summer. Uh, I don't think he's a very free agent. I, I would be very surprised, but <laughs> nonetheless, he made it. He made it there. But but that's one series, and the other one, maybe the most. I don't want to say surprising, but Colorado dispatching of the St. Louis Blues, but doing so rather routinely. Yeah, they waxed them. Yeah, that's you, the word. I'll be nice about it, and you go ahead. You speak with your heart. Yeah, it, it was it was convincing. They smoked them. 
period. In a and series where Jordan Bennington played really well, I he thought. He did. I, I've thought all along this season that, that St. Louis was a shell of their former selves when they won the Stanley Cup. They're missing a lot of parts. They've been injured all season missing long. Missing Alex Petrangelo. They, they're missing Petrangelo. They <laughs> missed Pareko for a lot of the season. Alex Steen retired. Like, there, there's just there's a lot going on there that's not yeah. the same club that they once were. Jake Allen was important to that team. I don't think people realize that aspect of it. And Jay Bomeister probably more than we realize, too. Yeah, in a lot of ways, early in the season, and then the emotional aspect and things that go along with it. Um, I just felt like St. Louis wasn't where they needed to be. I did expect St. Louis to come back and win a game like seven to one, though. <laughs> I thought, like, I thought this was exactly what I was talking to a friend of mine. I thought, you know, Colorado's up three nothing in the series. I thought St. Louis was going to come out and just crush them like game four. Just, I mean, kill them a, like a rage one. win. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, just a, like put up a touchdown. Well, that didn't happen. And Vlad Tarasenko did his part, but that was about did. it. Colorado yeah. just looks so strong. Everybody says yeah. McKinnon, and for good reason. McKinnon is, I mean, to me, arguably the best player in the NHL. But they've the got so many game. of them. But <laughs> I think the secret weapon to that team that's not a secret anymore is Kayla McCarr. Mm-hmm. I've said this, and I'll stick by it. I think he is the most – I think he's the best defenseman in the NHL right now. And I know that everybody else all aboard the Victor Hedman train, and I love Victor Hedman. I would take him in a heartbeat on my team. Yeah. But I would take Kyle McCarr before him. That's a dangerous combination between him and McKinnon. It's and and Miko Rantanen is uh, dangerous. Landeskog in front scoring. I mean, uh, even Sam Gerard on the back end on D. I mean, Philip Grubauer's played at a level beyond anybody wants to give him credit for. That, that's a team that'll eventually add a Bowen Byron to the back end too. Yeah. That's a very well stacked team. But yep. you know, it's interesting. Again, we talk about the the speed aspect of uh, of the Golden Knights. Nathan McKinnon is interesting to watch in the playoffs because you see a lot of good players. Things get harder in the postseason. He has another level to go to, but it, it, that he does go to, and it's again he carries the puck angry. I think that does. That's a great way to put it. The soundbite that we heard from <laughs> uh, from Alex Petrangelo during the outdoor game this year, where they had him mic'd up, he was like, "Oh no, oh boy." That's such a an accurate depiction because I'm on my couch saying, "Oh, here he comes." It's one on three, and I feel bad for the three. It's. It's a, it's something he can do in the postseason that isn't automatic. There's a lot of things that Nathan McKinnon can do that, and this is indicative of the really top players in the league. And you used to see it with Yarmir Yager years ago that they can carry the puck and stick handle the puck at a speed other players can't, and do it while their feet are moving, and create lanes and be shifty and go places. But you're right about the anger factor that he's playing with. He's playing with so much swag, and to see Nathan McKinnon shoot the puck into the empty net, I be- maybe it was game two. I can't remember which one it was. <laughs> But I'm telling you, he, was one la- or two. he lasered this thing. Like, I mean, like half clapper crushed this thing from about five feet away. It was like not one exclamation point. point. <laughs> it was like 35 exclamation points on the end of the game, right? And that's, I mean, that's what you see in playoffs. You see it from Mark Stone. You see it from Nathan McKinnon. You see it from teams that believe. Mm-hmm. They know. They have a chance, right? And that's why we've all been, let's face it, everybody's been looking forward to Vegas and Colorado. Now, I, you don't want to put the cart before the horse, obviously. There's still work to be done for the VGK. You never sure. know what can happen. But, boy, it's just tantalizing thinking about that matchup. And that's yeah. this whole week is about good TV, and it's, there's nothing wrong with looking forward to the next uh, the next hot show that's on the way. Yep. Well, Golden Knights fans, VGK Authentics is the official home for all game-used Vegas Golden Knights merchandise. From game-used pucks to game-worn jerseys and much more, owning a piece of your favorite Golden Knights player has never been so easy. Check out all the great items on VGK Authentics by visiting VegasTeamStore.com. That's VegasTeamStore.com. We'll step aside when we come back. A little bit more of the overarching playoff picture, but then, of course, we'll narrow our focus on Game 5, VGK and Minnesota Wild. Mike McKenna and Brian McCormick here with you on Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 
We're back to nighttime at noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Join other Golden Knights fans around the world with VGK Worldwide, the official global fan club of the Vegas Golden Knights. Become a premium member by visiting VGKWorldwide.com. That's VGKWorldwide.com and purchasing your kit today. Premium members receive access to exclusive merchandise, exciting contests, and specialized content. Don't miss this opportunity to be a part of painting the globe gold. Game 5, Vegas Golden Knights, Minnesota Wild, later on this evening as the Golden Knights have a chance to wrap up this first round series. With Mike McKenna, I'm Brian McCormick. Mike, there have been so many great series in the playoffs so far. Again, just must-watch TV. Uh, I think one of the ones that's been the most fun, and it's because now it has a back-and-forth element to it, but but the Carolina Hurricanes and Nashville Predators, that has been, if you were a script writer, you'd write it a lot like what we've already seen. Who would have expected that midway through the season even that Nashville Predators yeah. would be pushing the Carolina Hurricanes like they are now? I'm surprised by it. The, un- the the level that the Predators underperformed for the first half of the season with that lineup was pretty shocking. Yeah. And I bet it made GM Dave Poyle a little nervous. I mean, they've – Who's been there forever. He's been there forever. <laughs> and, you know, take some swings, bring in Matt Duchesne. And, and just a lot of things that hadn't played out the way they were supposed to. And now – Guess what? John Hines has them going. They've yeah. been riding UC Soros, who should be in the Vezina conversation. And there's another passing of the torch kind of decision that Absolutely, had to be made. Absolutely, right? I mean, you know, Pekka Rene had a really cool moment at the end of the year. He had a shutout on home ice and uh, what could potentially be his last start in Nashville. Who knows? We don't know, right? But he took an extended It was lap. acknowledged as such that it could be. Tugged yeah. on the old heartstrings. Yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> and it was great to see Ryan Miller in Anaheim do the similar and call his shot and leave how he wanted. But UC Soros has been the real deal. And conversely for Carolina, Ed, or Ed, Ed. see, <laughs> Nadelkovich. Let's talk Nadelkovich. That's a, I was, okay. I was very impressed, for, by the way, just, uh, sorry, segue. The way you conquered the name Jaden Halbigawaks on TV Thank last you. night, I was proud of you. But well, to Nadelkovich. Halbigawaks had the puck on his stick so often, I heard you say it so many times, it made it easier for practice. me. It gave me confidence. But Nadelkovich is somebody who, to me, is far overripe for the NHL. He should have had a chance a year and a half ago when that team won the Calder Cup. I didn't like that they brought in James Reimer and didn't promote him. Mm. From a, from a perspective of thinking you've got somebody who's riding momentum, who is ready to be an NHL goaltender. Strike while the iron's hot. And he didn't get that chance. And you always wonder, when they go back to the American League, what's going to happen? What happens? Does somebody take him on waivers? Who knows, right? Yeah. He just put his head down and he went to work. And he comes back and he is the guy carrying the mail for them. And he has intangibles. He's a fantastic puck handler. He's a good goalie on top of that. No team's won a Stanley Cup in the past decade without a homegrown goaltender. Speaking of from home, their organization. Speaking of homegrown goaltenders, and, and this seed hasn't been germinating all that long, but you look at the Florida-Tampa Bay series, uh, Florida has their backs against the wall tonight, and from the murmurings I've seen, it looks like that might be Spencer Knight getting the call tonight and talk about getting thrust into the spotlight as a young kid. Yeah, I can hear Coach Q right now. Ah, that's where we're going to put the kid in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they need they need some juice, right? Yeah. They're down in the series, and Bobrovsky, Drieger, like whoever you've put in, like they just haven't. Prevented goals, period, yep. and no matter how good they were. And, I, listen, I know everybody loves to bag on Sergei Bobrovsky and his contract and everything. I still think he has the capability to be an all-war goalie. But sometimes you just need something. <laughs> and you look at what people have done in history when you get a hot goalie. Spencer Knight was outstanding mm-hmm. out of college hockey when he came out. And really there's no excuse not to play him any longer. You're at that point where 
it's time to make this happen. Let him, let's see what he can do. The worst case, they lose. Yeah, and, and, and to, to their credit, too, you look at the Florida Panthers, who had a great season, and they've turned a, a talent corner, but they're going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning team that got Nikita Kucherov back. I mean, it's it's not insulting Florida to say that there is a little bit of a talent disparity there oh, still. Yeah. But you look at the first couple of games of this series, Florida did a really good job going punch for punch and, and hanging sure. in there in that heavyweight kind of bout. The last two games, they've, they've lost that gap. You need a spark. Yeah, they can score. Florida can score. They have depth scoring, and there's so many undercover superstars there. Jonathan Huberto, top 10 scorer in the league. Barkov, 200-foot player. I mean, th- there's a lot of players that can get it done in Florida. Mm-hmm. The back end's good. Missed Ekblad for a long time yeah. this year. Um, but, yeah, man, you're looking for anything you can get at 3-1 to one in a series. And, I mean, I'm sure the goaltending that's there, Bobrovsky and Dreger aren't pleased, right? You want the ball, you want to run with it. But, I mean, Spencer Knight, when you come in and you play that well out of college, you've got some juice behind you. Uh, the team's going to want to play for him. And like you say, there's such a – I don't think there's as big a talent gap, but man, you're facing a hundred million bucks on the other club now with the salary cap out the window. It's you got to do something drastic sometimes. You got to swing for the fences and be willing to, to to take that chance. Well, of course, the Golden Knights find themselves in an elimination game tonight as well on the right side of it as they have a three-one lead over the Minnesota Wild. Uh, look at some keys for tonight's game five, Mike, which you'll be working tonight's game as well, so you'll have plenty of time to sprinkle your knowledge throughout the uh, the broadcast this evening. But uh, you know, I, I think of of the Vegas Golden Knights the, when they've had to to dig in against the biggest push from the Minnesota Wild. It seemed to be early in first period That's mm-hmm. when Minnesota has their best thrust. Yep. And tonight when Minnesota's going to be playing desperate, you would expect more of the same, if 100%. not more. Yeah, and, and this is where Marc-Andre Fleury's been excellent. Three of the four games hasn't allowed a goal in the first period. Uh, did allow two in the first one game, uh, but bounced back very well from that. And this is where Minnesota has to push. They can't allow the fans and T-Mobile to take over because we all know what that's like when you're in the fortress. It can be mind-numbing. And for, you know, you think about it as a team, when you get one, two goals down in a building like that, you can't hear yourself think. You can't even talk to your teammates. If you're the goalie, you can't hear your defenseman talking. You can, like Everything starts to go wrong quickly. And that's exactly what Minnesota's going to try to avoid. They're going to try to control the pace of play. They're going to try to forecheck hard. They're going to try to play in front of the net, straight lines. Uh, and to me, it's not about the VGK counterpunching. It's about the VGK outdoing what the opposing club is doing. Yeah. They have to play their best game, regardless of what Minnesota does. It's up to them to control it, the VGK, to really take over on their own home ice, do the best they can in front of their home crowd. So hopefully they can close out a series for the first time in team history in front of the home fans. And as you mentioned, it's going to be a rocking building with uh, more fans in the building than we've had so far. Mike, I, I feel like every postseason we always pick an, a, an older player or a journeyman player who's got his chance to win his first cup this year. I guess that would be Joe Thornton would probably be the biggest candidate for that. Um, but, but another storyline I call think those is, the relics. Right. I, I had relic status by well, it's about taking my, you so long. Yeah, right? I had relic status by about my twelfth year. And another thing <laughs> I think is fun though, a storyline now is again Patrick Brown is with the Vegas Golden Knights had a big game two or game three, excuse me. Uh, his dad, Doug Brown, won two cups with the Detroit Red Wings in 97 mm-hmm. and 98. And there's a pretty short list, not one or two, but a short list of, of players, father and son, who have both won a cup. There's more coaches and GMs, the Bowmans, the Shiro's, but, yeah. you know, not a ton of players. And, and we're putting the car way before the horse, but that's a fun storyline to root for. Nonetheless, Patrick Brown had a great game three. The bottom six has been so solid in this game, uh, this series so far. Do they have a factor tonight in, just in terms of, of frustration against Minnesota? Yeah, absolutely. This morning, Steve Spott, assistant coach of the Golden Knights, was very complimentary of the, the work that Patrick Brown has done. 
uh, that he's, you know, he's been good on faceoffs. He's been a stabilizing force up the middle, chipped in some offense when he needed to. Um, he's just such a cerebral player, and he plays so hard that he complements that line very well. And it's really that matchup against uh, the Felino greenway erickson Eck line. That's where they look for them to really be able to bring something. And, and, of course, you've got that legacy, Patrick Brown, with his dad. He can always lean on that, maybe a phone call after the game. Dad, what do I do here? It's always good to have some advice. But as fun as it is to look beyond the obvious that's right in front of us, you've said already today, Mike, this is one of those put-away games. Need you want happen. your best players to be your best. 100%. Yeah. Lean, on your, lean on your big dogs. Hope that the depth comes through as well. And if worst-case scenario you got flower kicking. It's been such a good series for the Vegas Golden Knights. Is there anybody on, on that side, those, those highlight names that – so far hasn't had his breakthrough moment that you think it could come tonight. Shea Theodore. Mm. Yeah, scoreless in the series so far. He's been, I mean, he's, he's been all over the ice, but he doesn't have a point yet. So right. uh, I, th I think the back end, it's really been carried heavily by the forwards of the Golden Knights. And if you can combine the def defense into that scoring going forward, that's deadly. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights are set for game five against the Minnesota Wild as they look to close out this series with a win on home ice. Puck drop tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights is at 7.30 in Game 5. And we appreciate you sitting with us this afternoon to get you set up for it. He is Mike McKenna. I am Brian McCormick. Stormy Bonantoni and Gary Lawless will be in the saddle to take over the nighttime at noon rains tomorrow. And we hope you'll tune in there as well and hopefully to celebrate a Vegas Golden Knights series win. Once again, with Mike McKenna, I'm Brian McCormick. Thanks for tuning in for nighttime at noon on... Fox Sports Las Vegas. See you tonight for VGK.